Welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers to provide you with tips, tactics, and strategies so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. I'm your host, Kerry Shumway, a CPA, CFO for a brewery, and a former CFO for a beer distributor. I've spent the last 20 years using finance to improve financial results in our beer business. Now I'm helping other craft breweries to do the same. Are you ready to take your brewery financial results to the next level? Okay, let's get started. My guest today is Julie Rhodes from Not Your Hobby Marketing. Julie and I talk about how to approach your marketing plan from a budget perspective. What's the right amount to spend? Julie has some benchmarks to share on how you can approach this question. We talk about marketing fundamentals, those important things that we've got to get right that very often we get wrong. So a handful of items that can make a real difference in your marketing approach. We also talk about really the basic construction of what your marketing plan should look like. Now, when I'm working with clients on building a financial plan, I've got a formula to follow, numbers that I gather, models that we use, and so forth. So approaching your marketing plan is very similar. So Julie will share some starting points and how you can create a solid marketing plan for your brewery. So for now, please enjoy this conversation with Julie Rhodes from Not Your Hobby Marketing. So hello, hello. I am uh, Julie Rhodes. I'm the owner and operator of Not Your Hobby Marketing Solutions. Um, I'm a strategic business consultant for small to medium-sized craft beverage companies, um, mostly craft breweries and cideries, but um, I span the gamut when it comes to, to beverage folks, but I do only work with small to medium sized organizations. Um, and I specialize in optimizing their retail sales plans, um, their digital marketing plans, and also their distribution management. Uh, the way that I do that is I have a digital learning library where people can take online courses from me. Um, I write a lot as well. I'm a journalist, so I write a lot of white papers and articles, things like that. I teach workshops. Um, I have a group coaching program, which is super fun. It's kind of like a mastermind group, if you've ever been in one of those. Uh, and then I also work one-on-one -on -one, um, doing a specific um, customized coaching one-on-one uh, -on -one with beverage organizations. So awesome. yeah, that's me in a nutshell. I love it. <laughs> Something for everyone there. Um, so what are you working on these days that's got you excited? Any particular projects, new stuff that you want to share with folks? Um, you know, I have started working with more folks in the cider space lately. So I'm actually really excited about that. Um, just because it's, um, different flavor profiles than what I'm used to, um, kind of exciting things happening with different fruits and spices and, uh, production techniques that I'm learning about. Not that I'm a you know, heavy, I don't have a production background, but I'm always fascinated by how people make the things that they do. Um, and uh, it's stretching my uh, measurement and math brain a little bit because the measurements are different. So we're talking about gallons and liters and hectoliters and <laughs> things like that, instead of speaking in all, you know, units and CEs and barrels and, and such. So um that's been interesting. And yeah, that's my nerd side getting excited about. I'm like, oh, the measurements are different. That's <laughs> I was like, you need a spreadsheet. I know, I know. And folks that know me know I love spreadsheets. So there it is. <laughs> I love it. I might have to just build one for you and send it along. <laughs> I know. 
I actually use yours, your conversion table that's on your website all the time, nice. all the time. Awesome. I actually, yes, I, I use that quite, quite often. Although I will ask you for this nine liter CEs Nine liter CEs. You got it. That's my request to you. I okay. need the conversion for that. Yes. Ask and you shall receive. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> so we're going to talk about marketing today. And since this is the craft for financial training podcast, we're going to have a finance perspective. So my question for you is when we're thinking about marketing, marketing uh, from a budget perspective, how do you guide clients on what the right amount to spend is? How should they think about this? Ooh, okay. Uh, straight into the point, percentage of your overall gross revenue, not your profit, your gross revenue. Okay. And this applies even to people that are in planning. So even if you're not open, if you have a, a organization in planning, business in planning with beverages of any type, um, honestly, this carries over to any type of consumer packaged good. So maybe you're, you know, diversifying your income streams. Maybe you're doing, um, for those that don't know, like there's a lot of, um, beverage companies that have like condiments or, you know, lines of like meats and cheeses and things like that. So this could spin off into there as well, um, regardless of how you're utilizing your brand. Um, but there are certain percentage amounts of your gross revenue that you need to look at depending on your product life cycle. So where you fall in that product life cycle phase, um, it's debatable. If you use the Google machine and you Google product life cycle, um, you're going to get some people that say that there's four phases and some people say that there's five and some that say that there's six. I kind of stick to four, which is basically you're kind of that startup phase. So you're in planning or you just opened, you've only been around for a little bit. The next on that line is growth, like a growth phase. So you've been around for a while, but you're past startup, um, but you're not quite in maturity. So maturity would be, you've been in the market for a long time. You have a pretty decent distribution footprint. You know, you're, you're probably selling in multiple States, maybe exporting international, you know, a very like well-seasoned beverage brand. And then you've got decline, which is the not fun one to talk about, but you know, it does happen with well-established brands that have been around um, for a very long time, lots of brand awareness, things like that. But you have to, in that phase, you have to think about reinvention and things like that. So each phase of the product life cycle has some corresponding like marketing objectives, basically like things that you're trying to focus on you know, as much as possible, right? So that would be the main focus of where you channel your dollars. Um, in the startup phase, it's just going to be introduction to the brand, getting your name out there. So nothing but um, beginning brand awareness, right? So starting that whole process. And then in the growth phase, it's capitalizing and building up brand awareness even more. So you kind of become that household name, so to speak, um, and encouraging consumer trial. So you're just trying to get people to try the brand out and about as much as you can so that they build up a little bit of a relationship, things like that. In the maturity phase, um, you're looking at things like really differentiating yourself in the market. So really honing in on that. How are we different? How are we special? How do we do things better than anybody else that's kind of in our same space? And then again, maturity, that final phase is all about reinvention. Like how can people look at our products in a new way? How can we innovate a little bit more? Things like that. So the first two spots, startup and growth, 
you want to fall in like a, you know, I always say 12 to 20% range of your gross revenue. Um, that's because you're working twice as hard to build brand awareness. It's not already there and it costs a lot more money, right? Um, if you're on the latter half of the PLC, so maturity, uh, decline phase, you can spend less. So eight to 12% of your gross revenue. Um, now I say that roughly, and I also calculate my percentages a little bit differently than most um, marketing folks do in that that 12 to 20%, that's a big number, right? Especially when you're first getting started. I also include labor in there because most of the time when you first get started, you're sort of DIYing everything yourself, but you have a value to your time. So how much is that value? You know, you might not be paying somebody a salary, but you have to take into account, like how much is my time worth and how much am I putting towards that? Hopefully that makes sense. I just want people to account for that unless they have usually a, a full marketing department or like a full-time person usually doesn't come until way later in the growth phase or possibly maturity phase. So that's why I say it includes labor in the first part. Makes sense. Cause it's always time and money, right? I mean, we usually don't, yeah. right? If you're a brewery owner and you're doing all this uh, bootstrapping, you know, you, you tend to say, well, I'm, you know, that doesn't count, but I like how you said that, like put a, put a value on it and then see where you fall in that 12 to 20% bracket in, the, in that early phase. Yes. Cause most people, when I throw that percentage out, they go like, you know, and they like seize up because it's a very, like, it's a big, it makes you want to vomit a little bit. Like that's a lot of money. But if you think about it, put the value of your time in there and you'll actually meet that number probably a lot faster than what you would think off the initial sticker shock. Um, and just so people know that that includes just about everything. So that's branded merchandise, it's point of sale materials, it's printing, it's design cost, it's labor, um, labor for your time of doing social media, content creation, email marketing, website development, you know, any software platforms that you're using, uh, anything in that realm of, of like digital marketing, physical marketing, or things that would influence sales, all of that's in your marketing budget. Nice. So how do you think about, and this is a tricky question. I'm going to ask you the return on investment question. Um, so you establish your budget for your marketing dollars and you do really that outline that you just described. How do you think about the return on investment? Like, it, are we looking at it from a monetary perspective or other outcomes that we're trying to get? How do you, how do you tend to measure that? Uh, what do you look at for, for the return? Ooh, this is a... This is a layered question, Carrie. Okay. <laughs> so first of all, I tell people at the beginning of every single calendar year, you need to set marketing goals. It doesn't have to be a lot. Just pick like two to four things that you want to accomplish for your brand this year. How do you create those? Depends on your product life cycle, right? Like I told you, there's different objectives at different phases. Figure out where you are, figure out the corresponding thing, the main thing that you're going to look at. A lot of folks that I work with are in this growth phase. So like they've been around for a little bit, but they're growing the brand. They're having growing pains, things like that. Um, you know, we look at things like building brand awareness. Well, what does that actually mean? It probably means, uh, you know, increasing uh, engagement on social media, maybe having a better uh, open rate and click rate on your marketing emails, maybe more traffic um, to your website. 
you know, they can be kind of a lot of gray areas with marketing, but really uh, the best way to track ROI is to set your goals up from the beginning and give yourself a way to track things. Um, and with those marketing goals, this is very, very important. They need to be smart goals. They have to be trackable. You have to assign a number to them in some way, shape or form. So it needs to be very specific for the needs of your brand. Um, it needs to correspond with your product life cycle and the marketing objectives within. Um, it needs to be measurable. They have to be attainable. And I always tell people there's a double A in there. It needs to be attainable, but it also needs to be ambitious um, because we're in a highly competitive market right now. Um, it needs to be relevant to your overall business goals across the entire organization. And then it also needs to have a time frame. So if you can set yourself up with those things, it actually becomes very easy to track um, things as you move along. And then honestly, ROI comes into the picture a little bit later on because you have to have some base data to go off of. You really can't um, track ROI unless you have a base of comparison of some sort. So get your marketing goals set early so that you can start tracking things right away and figure out what's working and what's not working. Um, the other way to look at ROI is to just map out kind of all the marketing strategies that you're thinking about using. So this could be email marketing. It could be a branded mobile app, um, you know, your website. It could be snail mail of all things. You know, whatever you've decided or what you're thinking about doing, for your brand, sort of brain dump those all onto a piece of paper or a spreadsheet or Word doc or something um, and take a step back and look at elements like how much is this going to cost us? You know, what's the learning curve on it? Because maybe it's really cheap, but maybe it has a really steep learning curve like Google Analytics, right? Like free to use, super hard to <laughs> navigate. It right? is true. And that might not be a good solution for your brand, but something like, um, you know, uh, boosting engagement on our social media channels. Um, that might be a little bit easier to learn and it's very low cost and it's very targeted. So that would have a higher ROI. Um, and then just look at the other factors of your brand, like uh, who your target audiences are, who you're trying to reach um, and think about the strategies that you can use to reach them. And then think about, again, the investment on your part, even if you don't have concrete numbers, but you know, what tools do you need? How hard is it to learn? How hard is it to maintain and how much it's going to cost overall? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of pieces. I, I like that answer though. You know, just start with the, the basics, right? Set goals, a few attainable goals, stretch it a little bit, and then do what you can to kind of track and measure against it. And it doesn't always have to be dollars. Like to your point, it could be just simply um, getting better effectiveness on your email marketing, if that's a thing. Um, Great. Thank you. So let, let's, I I'm interested in hearing about any maybe new or different, doesn't even have to be new or different, like marketing ideas that you're finding particularly interesting or effective these days. I mean, it's very competitive. Uh, there's a lot of turmoil still from, you know, we're still on the tail end of COVID here. Anything to share there on the marketing side, anything that's caught your eye recently? Um, you know, I hate to sound like a broken record, but digital, 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 I can't say that enough, like with a capital D, digital, everything, um, you know, that we saw 
um, come into greater play with COVID restrictions. Um, it will continue. All the data that I've, I, I read a lot of um, reports about consumer confidence and, you know, uh, the way people buy things, the science behind the way people buy things. Um, there's a lot of great data companies out there that track that kind of thing, um, including the ones done by the U.S. government with like consumer confidence and things like that. And what we're seeing is that um, people are researching digitally online, whether it's websites, social media, search engine, things like that. Um, but then they're still shopping the old fashioned way, which is like going into a brick and mortar store. So um, there's a lot of points of contact that marketers can hit in those different spaces, um, digital and physical, that I think provide a lot of opportunities for us, especially craft beverage folks, um, to balance what we call an omni-channel like marketing strategy, which is um, we're hitting people on different levels, like in different places. Um, so it's not just social media. It's also social media and, you know, an ad in a circular that is right by the front door when you walk into a store, you know? So there's, there's some interesting things going on, but I think the emphasis that I give on digital is that the digital is driving brand awareness, but the conversion is happening physically or through another digital channel like at-home delivery, right? Or picking up from someplace. Um, so I would say anything that uh, craft beverage folks can do to provide um, better imagery, better descriptions, updates on their website, updates on social media, you know, things like that and making sure that, um, especially for retail buying partners, um, that those buyers are getting their hands on digital assets that they can use um, in their own lanes, uh, whether it's like an in-store app or for their website or for an email special, something like that. Mm, that's good. Good tips. Um, one thing you and I talked about previously was this fundamentals. So I had asked you like, what what's new that's out there? Everybody wants to know what's new, but very often if we just return to the fundamentals, we're going to get the outcome that we want, right? Let's focus on what actually works. It's tried and true. And you had mentioned a few um, strategies and tactics relative to fundamentals, like on your website, make sure your hours of operation are there, right? Tell people what you've got on tap, you know, uh, tell them how to buy your beer. I love that one. Cause you're like, man, I go to these websites and I, I want to buy their beer and I can't find it. Yeah, still, still find that's today. true, and and uh, or or are there other uh, fundamentals that you would throw out there for folks to check out? Um, you know the the menus are getting better. I have to admit that the product selection that I've seen on people's websites is that's getting better, which is great. Um, the where to buy it is still a problem. <laughs> I would like to see some more direction of. This is how you actually purchase things, you know, and it goes beyond the website as well. Like it does need to be on social media channels and it does need to be included with emails. Um, and if you're doing something as progressive as like text message marketing, it, it needs to be in there too. Like people know what links are. They know how to use them. They know how to click on them. So, you know, do put your links out there with a purpose, like, um, if you're not selling things, you have a very expensive homebrewing hobby on your hands. 
Um, and so the purpose of these channels is not because you love web development or creating social media content. I, you know, it's because we're in the business of selling things. <laughs> so that should kind of take precedence over everything else. And I only laugh because it's so incredibly simple. It is, I, you know, the building blocks of everything. Um, I would say this, I do realize that some people use web developers and maybe they aren't on top of everything and it's hard to get updates and stuff like that. I would say this, just give a little bit more direction. If you can't update your website all the time, have your developer put like a blurb in there, like at the top of the screen that says, our website may not reflect our current operating hours or current menu changes. Please consult our enter Facebook link, enter, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, please visit our social channels to get the most updated information because those channels are super easy to update and don't cost you a thing. Mm, that's so, great. That's great. you know, if you can't get the update, redirect. I like it. So yeah. I think a takeaway <laughs> for people listening to this right now, if you want to get instant value out of this, right, go to your website and Above the fold, right? The, the page that shows up when you're looking at your screen. If you don't see an option to buy your own beer, you know, get to work on that. And to Julie's point, you know, redirect if it's too hard to update your website, right? Redirect them to social. That's easy to update. Um, but this is a real quick, easy, you know, marketing thing to sell your bricks. That's the point. I think sometimes we do lose sight of, uh, and, and this happens in finance too, but, you know, marketing for the sake of marketing. No, 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 we're, we're trying to sell stuff, right? We, we are in business, we want to sell stuff. So a first easy and often overlooked, update your website, tell them how to buy stuff, right? Yes, definitely. And it's it, also, I would like to reiterate to people that these channels are permission-based. No one's holding people's feet to the fire to go visit. If they don't want to be there, they will hit the red X and get out of there like real quickly, or they'll navigate to a different Facebook page or a different Instagram feed. Um, when somebody visits those channels, they're basically saying, Hey, I want to learn a little bit more. Like, please serve me pieces of value that I can learn about your brand and start a relationship with you. So it's not being push pushy or salesy or whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, these people are granting you permission. That's why we have all those little pop-ups that say like, this website uses cookies, please press accept. When, when somebody presses that button, that is saying, yes, you can market to me. I'm, I'm fine with you talking about selling things to me. So just remember that in your endeavors. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good tip. So when I'm working with clients on financials, so our first step is usually to build a financial plan, right? That, that's really where it kind of begins. And there's a formula and we've got numbers and models that I use and so forth. Um, if you think about a marketing plan, you know, do you, what's the first step for some of your clients? And I know you have, um, you know, a proprietary marketing system that you use when you work with people one-on-one, -on -one, but maybe give us just kind of a taste of what are the first steps? How do you go about that plan? And what, what can people think about if they want to either develop their own marketing plan or work with you to develop one? Um, the very first step that I always get grief 
from people that I work with, my clients about doing this because they feel like it's busy work sometimes. Um, and all the branding folks that are listening to this are going to adore me for saying this, but you have got to nail down your branding mm -hmm. and your marketing vision before you do anything else in a tactical matter or in a strategic way. So there are other things that I'm about to mention that come after that, but you need to get really solid on what is the image of our brand? Um, how are we being consistent with that messaging, the visual messaging? Um, what does our voice sound like? Is it formal? Is it casual? Is it humorous? You know, just so you have some direction starting off. Um, and then there's other aesthetic things like colors and fonts and logos and all, you know, that kind of comes with the territory, but really get clear about the image that you want to portray to your target audiences, um, the voice that you want to use. And honestly, your uh, what I'd like to, and I know that you read Jim Collins, so I'm just going to make a hedgehog reference. Um, what's your hedgehog, right? What is the one thing that you do better than anybody else or the one thing that is really special? Um, I'll just leave it at that and tell people to go read uh, what is it? Good, um, to great. Good, good to great. And, you know, his entrepreneurship books um, with starting like BHAGs and the hedgehog concept of, you know, you should have one guiding light of your brand that you come back to all the time, no matter what kind of stuff you do, no matter how many people are involved or no, you know, no matter how complicated campaigns get, you should come back to this unified um, passion the the passion, the vision and what it is. And then from there, you want to think about short-term and long-term planning, what you want to do with the brand, where you want it to go. Uh, and then you can start looking at your marketing goals. Mm -hmm. um, you should have marketing goals every single year. So just setting out two to four concrete things, like those smart goals that we talked about earlier, um, that you can accomplish over the next year. My next step from there is actually a product release calendar or a brand release calendar, because what that allows you to do is take sort of a calendar view of what's happening throughout the whole year. Um, now, I say, I say this with kind of a disclaimer. I always tell people, do whatever you want to in the tap room product-wise. Consider that like your science lab like go for it, right? Like go crazy. Retail, don't mess with retail. Retail needs to be reliable. It needs to be predictable um, because you're working with more people than just uh, foot traffic that's coming in the door. So foot traffic, they have less expectations of your brand and they're willing to kind of experiment on the fly. That's totally fine. Um, retail folks want to be prepared. They want to do the research online and then see what's online in the store, right? So your, your end consumers in retail need to have reasonable expectations of what they will find in the market. And your buyers want to have reasonable expectations of what is coming out throughout the year, like what they will see, right? Um, retail buyers these days are just like bombarded with SKUs and new items all the time. And they're getting a lot of burnout you know, so anything that you can do sort of set the stage is really nice to have. And then what you can do with that is create what I like to just dub SOPs, but for your sales and marketing department. 
Like just like you would have sales or, or standard operating procedures in your production facility or for front of the house, like opening, closing duties, things like that. You should have SOPs for your sales department and for your marketing department. So in terms of marketing, that would be like, what does our launch runway look like for a new product that's coming out? Like how much time, how much lead time do we need to create sales sheets, to create social media assets, to update the website and think about your timelines um, and what that looks like for year round products, what it looks like for seasonals, what it looks like for one-offs, all that kind of stuff. So if you can kind of create those three buckets as like a beginning, as, as a starting point, you'll be in really good shape. Yeah, that's great stuff. I love it. So if we're, we're shifting to hopefully post-COVID here, do you see any, any ways that folks should be thinking about marketing differently these days or do the fundamentals really still apply? I think a lot of the fundamentals still apply. It's just in more places, if that makes sense. So the, you know, your branding needs to be solid. You need to have purpose and intention with every single piece of marketing material that you put out there. Um, it needs to contribute to your marketing goals overall. It needs to accomplish the objectives that you're setting out, um, depending on your product life cycle. Um, but it just might be in more places. Mm. So it could be that you have Facebook and Instagram, but maybe you don't have a YouTube channel yet, or maybe you aren't on TikTok yet. Maybe those are places that you expand out to, or um, maybe you have a website, but you don't have, or you're not really doing email marketing. Or maybe you have email marketing, but you haven't looked at text message marketing. So that that might be, um, you know, things that you could do as far as like advertising goes for that channel. Maybe you move from print to digital. Maybe you start looking at like uh, pay-per-click, like Google ads, um, you know, or SEO, uh, search engine optimization techniques. I just think it's a little bit more spread out because there's more options than there used to be. Absolutely. So we've covered a lot of ground here. I think really good yeah. stuff. So starting to talk about, you know, how to think about a budget, some benchmarks that people can start with, talking about return on investment, you know, how you how you set goals and measure against it. Then the marketing plan, which I think is really cool is, you know, you got to have a plan for it. So, you know, ultimately, you know where you're going. I like how you kind of described um, the branding. And that really comes down to like, authenticity, right? And what what do you stand for as a business? And I think everything gets easier once you kind of define that and get clear on that. And then that can ripple through the voice that you're speaking with and your branding tactics and so forth. Um, so great stuff. So Julie, if people want to learn more about you, what you're up to, work with you on their marketing plan, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Awesome. Well, yeah, I, I hope People had a lot of good takeaways today. Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, the best way to find me is to head to my website, which is updated, by the way. It's um, <laughs> notyourhobbymarketing.com, spelled like it sounds pretty much. Um, I'm also a one-woman show, so you can email me directly, julie at notyourhobbymarketing.com. Um, I am also on lots of social channels at notyourhobbymarketing. So that is for Facebook and Instagram um, someone took my handle on Twitter, so I had to make it a little bit different. I, if anybody knows who did that, I'm going to have to <laughs> come after them, but it is at not your hobby MS on Twitter. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, and you can find me on TikTok as Whoa. well. 
I love it. Which is something new. So we'll see. It's not, I'm more of a TikTok lurker than anything else, but I do post um, all the events that I'm doing, like the trade shows. I do a lot of public speaking. So I'm on the conference circuit as well. And most of the stuff I put in there, because it's like, you know, real fast, fast moving channel. So that's the best place to find me. Um, If you're interested about how to work with me, um, don't be afraid to book a call with me. It's just 30 minutes. We talk about whether or not I'd be a good fit. Um, all my pricing is on my website. I don't like to be secretive about that kind of stuff. So yeah, reach out to me and let me know if you need some help. That's awesome. Great stuff. And I definitely would encourage anyone who's struggling with their marketing or just wants to get better to reach out to you and at least book that call, get to know yeah, you a little better. Definitely. Awesome. Definitely. Julie, thanks so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. For more resources, tools, guides, and online courses, visit craftbreweryfinancialtraining.com. And don't forget to sign up for the world-famous Craft Brewery Financial Training Newsletter. Until next time, get out there and improve financial results in your brewery today.